Welcome, Kintargans, to the Find the Path podcast actual play of the Hell's Rebels Adventure Path. This is Rumor Mill number 14. Kintargans. I like it. Yes. I figured why not, you know? Yeah. I mean, several of uh, several of our listeners out there are Kintargans, as they actually do have an NPC uh, with us here in Kintargo. So that is true. true. Meeting but, them uh, one yeah. at a time. <laughs> if you want to have your own Kintargan, join us on Patreon. Absolutely. Sweet. We would love to have you join our rebellion group, uh, the Silver Ravens, who just went through episodes 40, 41, and 42 of the Hell's Rebels Adventure Path. So uh, let's, I guess, dive right in if we're ready for it. Let's do it. We're always ready, Ross. <laughs> Excellent. That's our secret. We're always ready to role play. <laughs> so uh, anyway, uh, diving right in. So episode 40 uh, saw us uh, continuing our two-part split of the party. Sure. Wherein uh, this was the guys day out version of the uh, guys is in players, not as in as the PCs genders. Indeed. Yes. Uh, in both cases, we're not we're talking to the players specifically because, you know, Heather plays Cesare yep. and Jordan plays Lucia. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's true. So we had Nicola meet up with the mysterious Volsta, the major domo for sure. Men Mentici Kaliki, I think. Is how it's pronounced? Mentis, I believe I said, is Mentis Kaliki. Ah, okay. Mentis Kaliki uh, in the city of Vire, who is looking for a number of tieflings to work in upcoming gala. Which, Love it. Uh, <laughs> which is totally not or... suspicious. It's so <laughs> sus. It's so <laughs> sus, yeah. Um, hopefully nothing bad happens there. Can we talk about how sad Nicola's working conditions are also? Because that <laughs> broke my heart. It's so <laughs> sad, the Nicola. You know what? Nicola needs to go on vacation to Vire because it has, for me, Mardi Gras New Orleans vibes. <laughs> I, I have I, I have the feeling, knowing Rick, as I do, having played more than a few adventure paths with him, we're going to Vire at some point. Or gonna Adria's have something son to do. lives in Vire. We need to go <laughs> yell at him for not writing his mother. Cesare will yell at him or give him a stern talking to at least. Yeah, he's not writing his mother. <laughs> Rick wouldn't introduce an entire foreign city without us having a chance to go there and check it out, especially with such cool lore. Could be interesting. I think that we have a uh, decent chance of seeing Volsta again. I just have that feeling. Because who goes to them. a whole nother city to go recruit some people to go work at a at a uh, people that need gala. sneaky stuff. Well, I sneaky will point people. out that she mentioned that she was already in the city because she was here with her mistress, who was mm. here meeting with the new Lord Mayor and making introductions. So it's not like she came here with this express purpose. She just decided to take advantage of the fact that she was here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm guessing the the labor must be cheaper over here or something because like it seems weird to me to like have all these like stipulations. We're gonna both these people over. We're gonna train them. I mean, well, they're not going to, they don't know anybody in the city. So even mm-hmm. if they do learn something, they'll be shipped back to Cantargo and like, who cares? And Jessica gets the yeah, hero point. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Quick oh, we all get a hero point at the end of this. <laughs> <laughs> we have to justify it before we get to the next episode or else we don't. Um. <laughs> well, I'm in trouble then. Welcome nah. to the rumor mill, like proving ground or something. It's jumping ahead, but you gave a silver point piece to that kid and asked him to get new shoes. So that's hero true. Point. <laughs> I did do that. Yeah, hero you know, point. I can't deal with kids not having shoes, okay? Because it's so you. sad. It Adrian is. was like, I have a whole closet full of boys' clothes. You're a little scrawny, but. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds Just me, I think, uh, I think only Rachel and Ross will get this reference, but it reminds me of the uh, the little girl in front of the bookshop at Disco Elysium. <laughs> oh, yes. yeah. 
I felt so bad for her. Whose mother doesn't let her go to school because she needs to stand outside and tell people to come into the bookshop. Oh, mm-hmm. that's sad. Which she's not honestly that great at. <laughs> no, no, but she's a she's a kid. I mean, like, there's no reason for her to be out there. That's that. That's yeah. Sad. Hateful. Yep. I just like Sorry, that very much. If you, if you talk to the the mom enough, you can guilt her, and so it's fun. Good. Which I did. Yeah. That would be my only yeah. mission. In the game. Yep. It's a good game. Everyone should go play it. It can be offensive, just to forewarn everyone. True. But yeah, at the very least, Nicolo did meet with uh, Valsta, who seems to have uh, hit it off with some of our listener base. As far as uh, mm-hmm. everyone seems to love a blue tiefling. <laughs> yeah. She seems very interesting. So looking forward to uh, seeing where that goes. It's true. But in the meantime, Lucia, on the other side of the city, had a run an encounter with some members of the Bellflower Network, cool. uh, meeting Nolly mm. Peltry. And Which is learning, awesome! Yeah, and learning that they may be coming back at some point. We don't yes. know when yet. But also confirming that her friend uh, Ida had escaped the city. Mm-hmm. Sure. Good. So her quest to find her friend, which was kind of one of the impetuses for her like starting this whole thing, is progressing excellent. There were at least two survivors. (laughs) Yay! I'm not sure that number really gives me a lot of comfort. I think there's probably more than two. I will point out that as far as you're aware thus far, that is better than the Sacred Order of Archivist. That was potentially better than the Rose of Contargo. Yeah, in theory, there's only one. We know one maybe survived. Yeah. Because, you know, swords and such. Yeah. Dead guards or whatever. Gave us the roses. It goes to show that Brazilia's uh, net was not perhaps as tight as it initially seemed. And Good. some people escaped. That guy deserved just a holy net, you know, like a ripped and torn net. But I thought you meant Im- like a holy net as in you wanted to enchant a net and throw it over him <laughs> after you made it a holy net. Just throw it over wow. him. It's like, it burns! Ah! <laughs> but yes, if, um, oh, none of us heard vine casters. Yep. <laughs> oh, well. Mm. I oh, well, you're kind, kind of, of paladin so I guess Nicola's got to work on it. There we go. I'll, I'll work on that. Uh, or champion-y. Yeah. We did, we did uh, set up a communication mm-hmm. system with the Bellflower Network using uh, kite signals. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. fun. Which I thought was really Ooh. interesting. Um, so that's... To choose that as, like, the way we pass our messages back and forth. Yeah, that's going to be pretty neat going forward. So looking forward to seeing some of that in action. Oh, go fly a kite. <laughs> I will. <laughs> also, when is our decorating party for the new Bellflower hideout? Because Lucia was very excited about this. <laughs> and it pleased me greatly to role play that. <laughs> I was about to say, I, I did like Nolly. I think that she's a very uh, upbeat sort of person. I feel like you have to be because like mm. I loved the, the the thing about her like using the stories as like a way to like calm the kids down and get them to yeah. kind of do stuff like the character of Nolly, that interesting like kind of folk hero kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's it's really interesting because like I think you have to well, when you're half she's a halfling so she's just kind of naturally upbeat, but like I feel like you have to be so that everybody doesn't just freak out like with all mm-hmm. the crazy stuff that's going on when you're like getting smuggled out of the city. Fair. Yeah. And uh, speaking of wanting to get smuggled out of the city, mm. Lord Mayor Thrun actually gave another speech in the next episode outlining his Ugh. ninth Strip. proclamation. This Don't guy, like yeah, yeah, he's a. Just, He's a treat. It's his second of six speeches. Yeah. I mean, oh, no. One at the beginning we... of each book. No. No. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. <laughs> but yeah, long story short, 
the uh, Ninth Proclamation has stripped the Charter from the Order of the Torrent Hell Knights. Yeah. And, sure. uh, yeah, they're no longer a legal authority within the city. Which means they're not all dead and they're out there causing a ruckus for him. And I like that very much. But they did say they got all of the... Um, Armagers. Armagers. Arm- Armagers, yes. Mm-hmm. So apparently they've at least caught all of their, what, knights in training, basically, they like their squires. They said that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, as far as we know, it's true, but yeah. maybe there is somebody who got yeah, who got out. I mean, hard to know at this point. Yeah, it also establishes a ridiculous bounty for any of the Knights of the Torrent or right. uh, their leader, Octavio. Mm-hmm. Man, you could be just yeah. a full-on freaking replacement family if you catch yep. him, which is wild. That's so messed Oof. up because, like, okay, I know that this place burned down and, like, here's a bunch of gold and all their holdings and you get to build your own mansion because you're a snitch. Yeah, I mean, the Thrones re- reward loyal followers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. It's a great way to put it. <laughs> Only if you're loyal in the ways they like. Of course. Yeah. That's what loyalty means. Because, right? I mean, technically, aren't a lot of Asmodeans technically loyal because it's, like, the lawful thing to do, but they've got their own agendas? Mm. Well, yeah, that's part of part. being an Asmodean. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of how they're loyal. Yeah. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> I, I'm loyal to the concept of order, but um, I want to be in charge. I got to use the loopholes. Who Duh. doesn't want to rule the world? I mean, cue Everybody music. Everybody <laughs> wants to. But, uh, That's always the weird thing about Asmodeus is like, he's got a lot of lying as part of his portfolio, but also lawful evil, which I guess aren't are, necessarily which is a lot contract, of bending but, the truth and lying mm-hmm. by omission and using the law to manipulate people and get what you want and yeah. all yeah. of that kind of stuff. It's just interesting. The best lies are made out of the truth. Exactly. Well, it reminds me not to get uh, political or anything here. You know, it's that reoccurring statement, especially from politicians here in the U.S., that it's not illegal to lie to the media or to Mm -hmm. the people. Nope. It's only illegal to lie under oath. Yep. So they're like, well, technically, yes, I did speak a falsehood, but it's not illegal to lie. Nope. Mm -hmm. It's kind of the same route that uh, pretty much every Asmodean just talks like a politician. Yeah. yeah if, you, if you look at the list of things where you will get in legal trouble for lying, it's actually a very, very small list of things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Perjury, Most famously, right? of course, shouting fire in a crowded theater. But I mean, uh, yeah. yeah, those kinds of things. Also, if you're like a publicly traded company, there's certain statements you cannot make um, mm. because it can damage yeah. the stock. So like mm. weirdly, if you damage people's stock portfolios with your lies or with, you know, false statements or whatever, that will get you in trouble. But oh, not, America. you know. General statement, I don't think it's weird to anyone that knows anything about America that if it (laughs) fiscally inconveniences someone, that it's illegal. (laughs) It's very illegal. (laughs) Ah, anyway. But anyway, all of that notwithstanding. Yeah. Yeah, so you found out about the uh, the Order of the Torrent being, uh, in essence, declared outlaws. Which means they're ripe for allying. Which also prompted Cesare to go meet with his sister-in-law, whose name escapes me again. I'm sorry. Calanus. Calanus, thank you. I should remember that. It's a pretty nice name, to be honest. It's a good I like name. It. I actually always remember it because it makes me think of Calanthe from The Witcher, the queen. <laughs> oh, so. Now she looks oh. like Calanthe. That's weird. Yeah, that's kind of what I've been picturing this whole time. <laughs> and I do like her because she's spicy as heck. I'm, I'm yeah. into Calanus for sure. She's funny. Yeah, uh, yeah but uh, Cesare met with his sister-in-law and learned about a meeting with Citrona Sabinus, the cousin of the uh, Lictor of the Hell Knight Order of the Torrent. And uh, yeah, that was one of those things where apparently she canceled the public meeting uh, <laughs> because, well, you know, you I mean, probably the public don't want to get. The meeting was to go demand answers for where all of the missing armatures are. 
armagers are, and it's like, well, yeah. okay, I guess we know now. Well, at least we know they're all incarcerated. I don't know if we know. I think we suspect they are at the holding house, mm-hmm. but we haven't had a chance to check it out yet. Yeah, true. Cesare just wants her out of old Cantargo because there's a freaking serial killer and now there's all this mm-hmm. mess with the Hell Knights. It's like, let's just go over here for a little while. Well, there's missing kids. So there was like a breakout Adria Vittoria investigation squad. In the same building that Kalanis lives in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Cesare's like, no. No, you're not Kalanis staying is like, here. I'm not a freaking kid. <laughs> That's also it's true. true. She is not a child. She might have class levels. We don't know Kalanis. Well, I mean, Cesare does, but we don't <laughs> I mean, I don't think Cesare has access to Clannis' character sheet. No, he true. doesn't. <laughs> Girl, what you know what in? What's studying? your AC? <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, that does bring us a little bit into episode 42, where Adrian and Vittoria do talk to the parents of the missing twins, which was very heartbreaking. But I and hope sad. that we can give them some sort of good resolution down the line. I hope we can find those boys, those good boys. Mm-hmm. I know. I really want to find them. I'm hoping that we get a clue or something that's going to lead us in the right direction or somehow this is all interconnected and we're going to come out as heroes in this, but I I, I don't want to get my hopes up. Well, this really, is House really Rebels hope. and not Tyrant's Cross. I know. Mm. That's kind of what I'm holding on to. So what you're saying is there's a chance. <laughs> this is the adventure path where you can potentially get your hopes up over yeah. things and not yeah. immediately be gosh darn But heroes. I've been burned before. <laughs> the scary, funny, very true. The scary mm. part is like, this is a missing persons case that's a week old. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a pain, even with all the barriers of non, you know, I've watched technology. plenty of Without a Trace. Well, we're going to have our own episode of Without a Trace because we got to find these boys because they're good boys. Indeed. Well, the implication that you got about uh, Angus and uh, Finio is that they're, one, both good children. Uh, but you also got the implication from uh, the door boy that they're not the first children to have gone missing in Old Kandorga. Yes, the masked man. The masked he plucks man. out your eyes or something to feed to his kids. I don't know. It was wild. His children on the moon. It's mm-hmm. on the moon. I was like, oh, God, it's a moon beast. <laughs> <laughs> no. Again, it's so oddly specific. That's what's so weird about that. Hmm? Yeah, my brain also went like, you know, moon beast and cthulhu and all that stuff. And mm. I was like, are we going to go to the moon? Is this like double, double foreshadowing of going to the moon? <laughs> Not everything Rick does is foreshadowing. <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to tell what's foreshadowing and not. It's a side shadow. It's clearly side shadow. Also, we all need to watch sure. our eyes because we've seen how that turned out in our other podcast. Haha. Ha. It's way easier to give something an inoculation power in second edition. No. Oh my gosh. Oh, I could well just give it wonderful. to them now. <laughs> nope. Ah. Nope. Be like, no, you know what this you. thing has? A three action inoculation. <laughs> Yeah. I want you to go back to my contract, Rick, where I stated that there would be no nucleation in this one. <laughs> I am protected. I didn't know you we could have a contract. Lucia will not yeah. rock an eye you patch. have a contract? It was oh, part of his Rick. writer, along with no green M&Ms. Oh, yep. wow. Exactly. All right. Rick, you so got to let HR know about this stuff, because I sent a whole bag of M&Ms. I don't think I took out the green ones. It was very <laughs> offensive. I wrote a strongly worded letter to uh, to the CEO. Oh, no. Commonly <laughs> uh, misconstrued story. <laughs> but uh, then the uh, Ravens did meet up and decided to go with Cesare to the uh, with both Cesare and Kalanis to the meeting with Citrona, uh, wherein after a bit of convincing, we managed to get the information that her cousin is at currently at 
the Shrine of Saint Senex. We're going in into the, the wilderness. Or at least very likely there because I mean, he has not been found yet. It's a 10 minute walk away from the city. I don't know if we'd call it the wilderness. It's in a swamp. It's, it's a different it's terrain. It's in a light bog. We can probably still see the city walls. Don't care. Oh, 100%. Excited. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is just sitting there. It's like, oh, this is the first time I've left the city and not in a carriage taking me to and fro wherever I want to go. You're going to slurp, slurp <laughs> through the bog, friend. Yep. Gonna realize why why you ride in the carriage. Oh, I don't want to get my shoes all muddy. I'm looking forward to preparing all of my outdoorsy spells. Hey. Everybody's like, we don't own any horses, do we? <laughs> I have a oak, but nope. it only carries two people or four or something. Not enough. Not Chia enough. will want to invest in a carriage after this. And we'll yeah, like, after carriage. <laughs> We're gonna not horses it. and not a driver, but just the carriage. <laughs> <laughs> Who's gonna pull it? Nicolo. Uh, <laughs> what? No, I don't think you're I'm not that buy strong. You gotta put the strong one pulling it. I don't know what to tell you. Lucia's gonna invest in a rickshaw. Ah. No, God. <laughs> just for her. Just for her just so for that Nicola can pull her along. <laughs> yeah, no, you're pulling your own rickshaw. I'm sorry. <laughs> Raven, what are you doing in the rickshaw? I'm not pulling you. <laughs> yes, you are. You bought it. Someone's gonna get pulled in this thing. <laughs> <laughs> it was for the loot. <laughs> oh my! Okay. Just get a wagon, anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're off topic. Yes, we uh, because yes. it is yes, um, it is mandatory. There is a short story called "The Phantom Rickshaw" oh that God. I believe was written by. <laughs> Check it off your bingo I cards, say it was everybody. Written by the same guy that wrote uh, the Jungle Book. I've heard of this story. I don't know if Rickshaw oh, okay. mentioned it before. Yeah, uh, Roger Kipling oh, wrote a short guy. story called "The Phantom Rickshaw." Uh, he's a terrible person. However, the yeah. story was pretty good. I feel like we have to do that for pretty much all of these old authors and mention that they were terrible people. Turn-of-the-century dude writers are not always great. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, he was, yeah. he was really, really big into colonialism. He was real racist, yeah. It was bad. Yeah. And, you know, Jungle Book. First yeah. published in so. 1888, though. Just in What's case that? anybody wanted to know. First published in 1888. Librarian oh, the facts. Uh, yeah. So there we go. Awesome. Facts. It's a pretty good story. It's weird. Yeah. In a very fun sort of way. And I think we left things off there with all of us sort of scattering about just to avoid the attention of the Church of Asmodeus, who were apparently watching uh, Sabinus. Uh, no, sorry. Col- er, Sabinus. Citrona. Um, who were apparently watching Citrona's uh, bar. And so we scattered about, met up again over at the gate, and we're about to head out of the city for the first time. We did leave out the uh, most interesting thing of that conversation, which was the very bad at his job um, helper that she had at the bar. <laughs> in oh, some, yes. yeah. oh, in some, my new in favorite some, PC. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that guy was fun. He was pretty cool. I, I like you him. You got it. Yeah. I, you know, there, there's something about him that you're just like, I want you to succeed, man. I want you to do well. So, mm. yep. I do want to bring a bring attention to a single line in here where uh, under Insom's description, it states that despite his aggressively mediocre personality and second rate skill set, Saturna uh, has employed him as hired help for her bar for years. When asked why she keeps him around, she smiles and says, sometimes it's nice to do nice things without having a reason. Oh, <laughs> how can you be aggressively mediocre? I don't know. <laughs> is that just like is I that straight know. tens down the stat sheet? Like how are you aggressively mediocre? It's just I, like I took the it most as pretty mediocre. much he just goes around and does the buddy Christ at everyone all the time. Just like <laughs> 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 There's no real personality oh, there, but he's very aggressive with it. <laughs> My gosh. Yeah. Jeffrey has to ask Kalanis what she means by mostly trustworthy. What that was amazing. That was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny. Maybe accidentally. Anyway. <laughs> Tessaray has a very spicy sister-in-law. Mm. I like her a lot. 
Yeah, she's fun. I also liked the awkward attempts to not rope her into the Silver Raven stuff that failed horribly. Yeah, which is now another reason why Cesare doesn't want her hanging around in this tenement house of catastrophe, apparently. (laughs) It's always that awkward thing of how do you, like, subtly say, by the by, we're the Silver Ravens without just being like, yo, we're the Silver Ravens. I was trying to respect Cesare's wishes. Yeah, exactly. You raise an interesting thing here, Jordan. I'll let you guys in behind the screen a little bit and what I consider to be a felling of Hell's Rebels. <laughs> in that Hell's Rebels actively encourages the party to be secretive. Yeah. But to get anybody to help us, we have to tell them who we are. Not just yeah. that. I would say that 50% of the adventure hooks that I see past the first book assume that people can easily find, locate, and contact the Silver Ravens. Mm. If that was the case, we'd have the Asmodeans down our throats. It'd yeah. be over. It's very confusing. <laughs> Well, I, maybe we establish like a secret system to be contacted, you know? Yeah, okay. there's like you, there's a guy who you talk to who like knows a guy and he relays the message and like, you know, in three to four business days, we'll show up and say <laughs> hi. Yeah, we we have know. our own bat signal. It's the raven signal. <laughs> yeah. Is we it raven the raven or raven through, the cat? Uh, we communicate through dead drops. Yes. Oh, we haven't even started setting up dead drops. That's when it gets real interesting. So anyway, just a just a little behind the scenes issue I have in this because it's a lot of a lot of these quests literally start with uh, the Silver Ravens receive a letter from this person. Well, <laughs> I assume it's like it's probably like left in an area that people like know or handed off to someone that they're just like I'm pretty sure this person's somehow involved with the Silver Ravens. But then again, it's also a lot of trust on that person's part that it doesn't yeah, make its way to exactly. The like, are we like are we establishing cells here where like we've got like cells of people who like I mean, we do you know, their leader groups. knows where like the rest of the the next person in the like org is in our org chart. Do we no, even have an org chart? Secretive. Not yet. They only have the one location. Once we have multiple bases, maybe. Mm. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just trying to figure out, like, so, like, I'm wondering if, are we, do we have a symbol or something? Yes, I like to think we do. Secret I don't know what handshake? it is. Secret Like, how are we doing this? It looks like an egg. It's really just an oval. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> what? <laughs> because ravens lay eggs. That was my thing. They, they do. This is <laughs> true. Drawing a bird with your toe would be hard. True, It's facts. not that hard. You could just do a little, like, V, though. Oh, okay, like, that's kids fair. kids draw birds and, like, yeah. things like oh, that. Yeah, yeah. As long as we're chill with seagulls. Yeah. Which I like seagulls. Like, uh, I'm here for it. They must be a member of the Silver Seagulls. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Sounds like an interesting adventuring unit. group if you're like a, par- <laughs> a, a pirate group or like a privateers to be the Silver Seagulls. That's Little do you know, but in the uh, the distant, I think nearby tribe of goblins are the Silver Seagulls. Oh my God. <laughs> it's the all goblin rebellion. What is, what is, their, what is their goblin uh, song? Seagulls poop. That's all I've got. They just yell <laughs> mine a lot. Just They're like, not wrong. Mine, a lot mine. of yelling of mine. Mm. Yeah. Their entire goblin song is just saying mine, rhythmically. Mine? Mine. Yes. mine. I do like those goblins because they determine who their tribal leader is by cliff diving. Mm-hmm. Huh. But we should probably move on from there. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that just about wraps it up for the episode recap. And unless anybody else had something that we've missed or they want to mention real quick. Yeah. All right. Well, then, barring that, I do believe we have some emails. So uh, let's go ahead emails. and launch into that. And our first email comes from Isaac, a.k.a. Soul Aeon, from Alkenstar. Hello. Hey, Isaac. How you doing? Uh, You can't really respond because this is a podcast, but... We're going to assume, okay. (laughs) I hope your day is going well. I'm going to assume he said hi. (laughs) Uh, But he does... Well, he does say, starting with, hi, FTP crew. So there we go. Hi, Isaac. 
Soul Aeon here again. Uh, I must confess, I still haven't picked up firearm proficiency, but I greatly appreciated one, my questions being answered in the after party, and two, the laughs resulting from y'all answering my email. So. <laughs> You're welcome. Is that the new, is that the new standard? Everybody tries to get us to laugh because that's not very hard. No, we're very easy to make <laughs> yeah. laugh. We're very easy to make laugh. Soleon goes on to say, I must confess, I also enjoyed all my questions being answered. I added the perhaps poorly worded question about your favorite desserts on the off chance that you'd already answered my main question about a linked universe of your campaign. Ah. However, I was quite pleased with the fun that resulted from the misunderstood if-then statement. Oh, hey. <laughs> Got some bonus answers in. If I have learned anything from doing after parties slash rumor mills slash postmortems, it is that we are very bad at doing a game of telephone whereby the third person that's answering, they're answering the previous person's thing they're saying mm -hmm. and no longer actually answering the question that was originally delivered to us. So uh, <laughs> we are very bad at that. It's because we're a rambling mess. Bananas. We're a shambling mound. We're a shambling mound. <laughs> you said rambling mess. Okay, well, before, before things get um, truly... Shambly? Wild. Yes, I was going to say the um, horror movie director who does all the body horror stuff. Cronenberg? Cronenberg, yes. Before everything gets too Cronenberg-y, uh, perhaps we can move on. <laughs> I mean, you're the boss, man. Ah, That's true. Nobody should give me that much power. Where we all turn into the Nick Cage color out of space bowl of llamas. Oh, man, no, I, didn't see that. I don't want we did not, that. Yeah, I was going to say, Justin, I did not see that. Ooh. I love a Nick Cage movie. I need to see it. it. It's a great movie if you love Nick Cage. It may be a bad movie if you love llamas. Yes. Oh, well, that's a real conflict of interest for me. <laughs> I mean, I love me some Nick Cage, but he does bad movies sometimes. <coughs> Season of the Witch. Oh, yes. I actually yeah, thought this I'm was on. pretty good. It's not very faithful, but it was pretty good. <laughs> not the bees. Anyway, uh, there's my Deep contribution. Good. Okay. What's but, the question? Uh, Isaac goes on to say, there's only one issue. I didn't get to hear Ross's favorite dessert. And uh -oh. since he's my favorite librarian, <laughs> uh -oh. uh, thank you. And in game, my favorite tiefling of all time. Thank Aww. you again. That's Aww. very kind of you. Aww. Uh, I must once again plead the powers that be for a slightly extended answer. Can we all guess what Ross's favorite dessert is and see if any of us are correct? I don't see why not. Just I'm going to make it more interesting. donuts. Okay. <laughs> that was my thought, too. Yeah. Okay. But since you already went with that one, I'm going to say, let's go with vanilla chocolate swirl ice cream. Okay. I'm going to go with the Texas favorite pecan pie. Mm. Not a bad guess. I like good it. Stuff. I was going to go with an old fashioned sundae. Okay. Yeah. Solid. Ice cream. I mean, I do love me some ice cream. You know, chocolate cake is amazing. Chocolate cake <laughs> is amazing. I will certainly agree to that. <laughs> Jessica is right. It is donuts. Yeah. Who played with Ross, like outside of the pod. Yeah, donuts are a big donuts, thing. But we can donuts, all say donuts. Yeah. Ross, I found a really great donut place by my house. The next time that you're in person, I need to get some for you. All right. Sounds great. Mm -hmm. I'm looking really forward to that. Alan too. And uh, also uh, Isaac does have a question for the others. Since you've already answered in mummy's mask, what is your favorite beverage? An ice-cold Coca-Cola on a hot day that burns the whole way down. I'm going to amend yours to say a frozen Coke or a Coke Icy or a Coke Ooh, Slurpee. Oh, dang. That should have been mine because that is my favorite. Yeah, me too. I have to nice. amend it. My favorite is actually a, a, a cold Icy. That is like my thing. The other my, thing is the backup if that is you know not yes, working. The backup the is, is if you don't have the frozen. Frozen yeah. Coke. Yes. Yes, yes. Me too. I mean, I default to Dr. Pepper. 
However, if I, if I was going to go for favorite bre beverage, mint chocolate chip shake. Hmm. I do just love a good mint chocolate chip shake. That is pretty good. Oh, yeah. shakes are on the uh, on the yeah, agenda. Are you, beverage. Are shakes a beverage, a beverage or a dessert? A, you drink, technically drink it. Yeah. yeah. Anything you drink's a beverage. Heck, anything. Uh, it used to be that you could get uh, shakes with your shakes with your meal at Brahms. So. You still can. Oh, you still oh, can. Okay, yeah. Cool. A milkshake is a sweet beverage. <laughs> <laughs> it's a sweet beverage, according to the Google. So it is a beverage. According to the Google's. All right. Well, Google says so. Uh, so I will go with uh, I will I will echo Rick on the Dr Pepper. Dr Pepper is my favorite drink of all time. Uh, I also need a black coffee in the morning to get going. So mm. coffee, it's gonna be mine. <laughs> Well, I have had uh, nothing but water for almost an entire year. I have had like one soda in that time frame. Uh, but yeah, if I was gonna go out and get anything, it'd be a it'd be cookies and cream like milkshake. Mm, that does sound tasty. And uh, I'm gonna go for a chai latte. That sounds mm. oh, I do love a chai latte. So uh, let's see here. Like I do enjoy a good Earl Grey, but yeah, true. Not my favorite. Oh, I'll take a chai latte over Earl Grey. Like I love Earl, and I love Earl Grey, but like chai mm. latte mm, flavor. I'm a bit of a baby when it comes to my Earl Grey. I need I need sugar and I need a bit of cream in it. So just a squeeze of lemon. That's it. Mm. So Isaac goes on to say, while listening to the most recent Hell's Rebels rumor mill about accents, I suddenly had another question for you, delightful people. Do you have ways to warm up your character voices before recording? Do they vary according to the accent? Yes. I talk to Mikey and whatever accent I'm going to be using the morning before we record, usually. For Adria, I say, I'm walking here. <laughs> and for Cypress, I say, hello. Which is not <laughs> Cypress's accent. But I say that because that's what gets me into that accent. I don't know why. Fair enough. And I can do a southern accent with zero prompting all the time, no matter yeah. what. So Hollis is easy. It's uh, it's offensively stereotypical, but anytime I'd have to go Irish, I always do top of the morning. Which does not the help Irish me. Accent. It mm. does not help me when you do that. But uh, the I, to you. I honestly, I, I don't. I tend to go into it cold and then just do it. But I think that's because I've been doing them so long. It's more second nature now. I think when I first started, I I would practice a little bit beforehand. But yeah, I was gonna say the, the accents I've been doing for over a year. I don't really need to warm up anymore mm. because yeah. like I've just you've done one season of the television show and you just know how to do it. But um. If I'm doing a new one, um, it does help to have some kind of like trigger phrase or something to to remind me how to do that. I've also like apparently I associate certain characters with certain action types. Like it's edited out of the episode, <laughs> but behind the scenes, I definitely did a lot of Adria's lines in that last episode in Cypress's accent because it was skullduggery mm. um, and didn't even realize <laughs> I was doing it. <laughs> That's actually, uh, it's a little behind the scenes where I do edit out a lot of times where it's mostly Jessica and Heather. Yeah. Jessica will launch into saying, and will launch into saying a complete couple of sentences and then just be like, that's not the right accent. <laughs> <laughs> Heather will try to say something and be like, nope. Try it again. <laughs> nope. Okay, just move on. <laughs> Moment passed. I, I was just that weird child that when I was at home in the summer times by myself and I was playing, you know, I would just do different accents for fun. And so I just grew up doing a bunch of different accents because I was a little weirdo. Girl, me too, but I can't hang on to them. I watched Braveheart a lot. I could sound that way. And then I watched Yellow Submarine a lot and I could sound like Ringo Starr, but I couldn't, I can't maintain it outside of if I, maybe if I watched it every day. Yeah. I mean, I, that's, I used to though. I was, a, cause I was a weird kid. 
Uh, for my part, it does depend a lot on the character. I mean, Rose's accent is really just me doing a slightly higher pitched version of my own voice. So I'm not really doing much of an accent per se there. With Niccolo, it's based slightly on the accent of Gregor from the uh, Fire Emblem Awakening game because he was a fun character and a very boisterous sort of guy. So, you know, it's definitely a lot of your gigging is up and that sort of thing. So I always thought he was fun. Nice. So catchphrases. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's not doesn't relate to this game, but uh, anytime I'm playing armor, I pretty much have to launch with, hey, gosh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And now I'm in the voice. Yes. But- <laughs> there you go. Rick's in the zone. Um, additionally, I personally hate the sound of my own voice in recordings. I think I recall a few of you voicing similar sentiments. So I wanted to extend another question to everyone. If you hate your voice, what is the best way to avoid hearing it while doing a podcast? Don't edit. Don't be the editor. <laughs> Do that not is a, be the editor. <laughs> I'm probably the odd one out that I actually, I don't want to say like listening to it, but I, I go back and listen to them because I want to hear like how I was in certain scenes and see if I can like improve it later or something. So I see it more of a retrospective <laughs> Like, I want to go back and do better. (laughs) Studying, improving. Yeah, kind of. I'm like studying what I did before and trying to make it better. So I don't necessarily like how I sound, but I don't mind hearing myself. Re-listening is not the problem for me. The problem for me, first of all, I've had myself recorded for things at work and then I watched the recordings and that is way worse than hearing myself in audio. Yeah, seeing yourself (laughs) is a thousand Um, times worse. (laughs) But um, I find myself laughing at all the same things I laughed at the first time through, and it weirds me out. That's what I, I don't listen. <laughs> it for weirds that me out because I'll make the else. same jokes as I'm making in the show, yeah, like weird, from the same like input. It. Like I'm a freaking robot, and it really weirds me out. I, it's very I've weird. done that while Rick is editing an episode. Like I'll make a joke and then see that I made the same joke in yes. the edit, and I'm like, "Dang it! <laughs> well, how We're original are we, really?" <laughs> Where it just shows that we're consistent. It's true. Consistently funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Humans in essence are very complicated meat computers. And <laughs> Man, maybe I don't like computer. that one. Put it that way, it sounds don't, so don't, gross. No, don't like it. Yep. Let's move away from this scary topic. <laughs> I mean, it's but true. But that's all I'm saying is you, you give the same input and they'll usually put out the exact same output. Although mm. that does remind me of a great uh, line that I read somewhere where meat mechs held up by calcium sticks piloted by ghosts. <laughs> mm-hmm. I like that very I much. Love okay. that. Yeah, that's, pretty much. That's better than mm. Meat Computer. I mean, yeah. there's, is it Kate the Nash that Mac? has the skeleton song? Yeah. Who is that? It's not Skeleton, you are my. Yeah, it's Kate Nash. Okay. Skeleton song is really weird. I recommend it to anyone. But you are made of bones. <laughs> it's yep. about them and being friends with their skeleton. Anyway, yep. the whole thing. He does go on to ask and if you don't hate hearing yourself, how did you get to that mindset other than immersions therapy? You know, um,. I don't hate hearing myself anymore. Like I will listen to some of the episodes. I tend to more listen to mummy's mask because I'm not in it. Mm. You know, on occasion I do like to, especially if it was like a really fun episode. I'm just like, you know what? I'll just go back and listen to that. Why not? Mm. And I think it's just a lot more of like, I have to dissociate from it. Like I have to go like, that is a different me or something. If that makes Mm. any sense at all. Um, So it's like, it's not me saying that, but it's me saying that. Yeah. I mean, I'll say this like, because I, I grew up in the theater and, you know, in, in school, they would record the shows. And then like at the after, like the rap party, mm. we would go watch the show in its entirety as if we were the audience. And it drove me nuts to see myself on stage because I love doing theater. Like I still do it now if I had the time. But like 
seeing myself was like looking at a different person and it really was weird to me because like I didn't like my self view of myself didn't say I'm a six foot five guy with horrible posture who at the time was like stupid skinny. So like seeing myself was like looking at a different person and going, oh my gosh, is that what people see? Ew, you know, like, cause I didn't like, like myself in that way. So mm. I think now I'm in a better like mental space to where it's like, eh, it's fine. It's Work on your self-esteem. Yeah, that's what so, I'm taking from yeah. that. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's funny cause uh, that's a verbal version of that is kind of how I've gotten around, not necessarily liking the way that I sound during a recording. Some of it's immersion therapy, but some of it is also like, I now listen to it because I'm constantly attempting to outperform or outdo what I was doing previously. Yeah. Like, okay, you know, I'm launching into, I'm launching into the beginning of the story. It's like, and I always start low and then build up. And so I had to break myself of that, especially early on. You make your way out into the city streets. I'm like, up. Oh, I'm doing that. I'm doing the narrator voice again. I need to, I need to, <laughs> to tone that back a little bit. Or at the very least, I need to deliver that at a, at a consistent rate. Yeah. I'd say, I'd say we definitely all got exposed to our own verbal tics. Um, yeah over the course of, you know, the first probably 50 episodes at if least. If you weren't, I forced everyone to become very well. <laughs> I was going to say, we did get notes almost every, after every recording, we would be getting notes. <laughs> true. Yeah. All I mean, for you the purpose of improving ourselves. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I, I became more comfortable listening to myself when I became a critic of myself. Mm. In a positive manner, but yeah. more critiquing. A constructive manner. Constructive critic. Yeah. We get, again, we do love constructive criticism here. Absolutely. And I think that also answers his next question, which is, does this extend to photos and videos? So, Oh, yes, I think we did yeah. answer that. Yeah, yeah, I think several of you have already gone into that. So after that, he says, I hate to place this at the end, but now that I've got you. Uh-oh. Rick. <laughs> Ominous. <laughs> the praise. <laughs> uh, smart. Here we go. <laughs> Burying the lead. I see. I see your it's game. Well played, Isaac. Uh, so Rick. I can't imagine the amount of work you pour into this podcast. I love listening to you, GM. Thank you. Yeah. You do an excellent job of setting the scene, integrating your players into the story, and bringing Galarian to life within my imagination. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. It's exciting. I hope we, your listeners, can even slightly reward you or bless you in return for the care and time and effort you've poured into these podcasts. I figure I'd place you first so you can relax now. <laughs> well, we do have a Patreon. We do have a stretch goal for getting Rachel, her husband, back. <laughs> it is my favorite stretch goal. For all of our uh, our audience members that support us uh, via Patreon, uh, that is financial support is always a huge support. Uh, but also, like everyone that's gone out there and suggested other people to listen mm -hmm. to us, uh, spreading the word is a, uh, a cheap for you, but invaluable for us means by mm -hmm. which to uh, improve the podcast and. Uh, and perhaps in their case, they may eventually want to become a, uh, a patron and gain yeah. access to the uh, phenomenal product that this uh, this crew also produces as far as Tyrant's Grasp is concerned. Yep. Indeed. Tyrant's Every Grasp's Reddit good. post or recommendation on Discord yep. helps us out a ton. So definitely feel free to do that. We have never spent a cent on advertising, and that is uh, every single new listener we get in large part is because of the amazing support all of you show. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Indeed. So Rick, of course, has to return the compliments in order to deflect from the ones he just received. I see <laughs> Thank you. you. Very good. I worked hard on this. Oh, reading him for filth, <laughs> he Ross. He worked hard. <laughs> he knows I'm being silly, okay? I'm, this is lighthearted. I love seeing it. It's great. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so next, uh, Jess. Me. Every interaction <laughs> with you is a delight, and I've been blessed to play Starfinder under your posting eye on Discord a while ago oh, now. Yeah. So I have an inkling 
even just a little bit of how wonderful you are. Oh. E- even as the reasonable mother figure of the Ravens, you create characters that make me smile and laugh. Yay. Thank you for those smiles you've given me. Thank you. I work hard. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can't see her, but she is smiling very. Yes, very I'm smiling right and doing. Flower pose. This isn't flower pose. It's just oh. like a cute little pose. It's almost like a little heart well, thing or something. A little heart thing or something. Yeah. yeah. A it kitty just makes buggy me think face. you're about to start yelling into the microphone. You're like cupping in preparation. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> no. No, no. It's, it's okay. under the chin. Under the chin, like puppy yeah, eye thank you. pose or something. <laughs> <laughs> One day I'll have time to play games in the Discord again. Yeah, true. It can be tricky. <laughs> Patreon stretch goal. Heather, your Uh-oh. character. No, it's good. It's good. Uh-oh. This is the praise section. <laughs> People like you, Heather. We like you. Aw, thanks, yeah. Ross. <laughs> Uh, but Heather, your of friendship. <laughs> Yay, friendship. Your characters have always intrigued me, and your mastery in playing them always impresses me. Oh, thank you. Cesare is only the most recent, and I love the rate and way you give us tiny insights into that backstory. Sometimes big insights. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait to hear more of your storytelling. Thank oh. you for entrancing me every time. Oh, thank you. I I, oh. I work hard. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody yeah, here works hard, do. but yeah, absolutely. Rachel, I have never seen Waterworld, but you oh. already got me interested in The Mummy, and I absolutely loved it. So who Mummy knows? Is great. Waterworld is, is nothing great. like that. Okay? Yeah, Waterworld trash. <laughs> Mummy great. Mummy is amazing on multiple levels. Waterworld is for a special niche set of people. <laughs> Waterworld is very bad. It is not bad. It is different It's and kind wonderful. of bad and it, it circles around back to good for some people. I think it's that kind of, you know, like pugs are really ugly, but some people think they're really cute. Okay, do not compare Waterworld to pugs. Pugs are awful. Pugs are the cutest thing ever. I mostly feel bad for them. I feel yeah. terrible because they can't breathe. Take, taking this away from pugs for a moment, but I was just going to say the uh, I did see a, a meme post recently that made me think of Rachel because it just had a collage picture of the mummy's cast. And it just says, uh, my sexual preference is the cast of the mummy. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> it's like literally yeah, every character. That is accurate. Yeah. Yes. Like, that's fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he says, maybe I'll try, but that's not quite a compliment yet. I love hearing you play Pathfinder with your friends. You also have created characters that I love. I almost said I haven't gotten enough of Vittoria, but I recently discovered the recaps you write for Hell's Rebels. Uh, and so I oh. suppose that will help for now. That's true. Rachel does write so. recaps for Hell's Rebels. Yeah. No, I'm a little behind because it was my birthday and I got lazy. <laughs> You're allowed okay. to take time off on your birthday, Rachel. As HR, I'm allowing it. All right. Um, Yay. <laughs> this vacation request has been approved. Exactly. <laughs> Available on uh, find-path.com under our uh, Hell's Rebels feed. That's Absolutely. True. They're fun. Eternal. So definitely take a look at those if you haven't already. But I can't wait to see her more in the future. Your creativity and hard work put into these journals and into the blog is amazing. And as a GM, I wish I had this kind of note-taking from even one player. <laughs> thank you for such excellence. And furthermore, thank you for your work as a teacher. I know many in the same profession, and I firmly believe that you should be thanked at least once per day. Aww. And Jessica. Aww. Yes. Yeah, and uh, Jessica. Yes, yeah. indeed. Sadly, we are both former teachers, but we both still work in education. Yeah, yep. Well, and you both were teachers for quite some time, so yes, we were. I think it counts. And I, st- like, I, will, I will echo a sentiment I'm sure all teachers have, that it's, uh, it's usually never the kids, it's everything else. 
I loved my kids. I loved yeah. my kids. I still love my kids. Why am I saying that in the past tense? I love my kids. Yes, they yeah. are still around. Many of them are graduating college now. And it's I wild. Know. So old. They do grow, don't they? I know. They're like yeah. being adults. I yeah. know. It's wonderful yep. to see, though. Yeah. Uh, he finishes by saying the work and care you put into your students cannot be paralleled. Aw, thank awesome. you. I work hard. Yeah. <laughs> As does every teacher. Yes, yeah. true. Uh, Jordan, who also works hard, I assume. Um, no, no, I don't work hard. I'm just naturally talented. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Get Jessica, can you smack him later yeah. for me? Well done. It's all in post. <laughs> Rick works Ow, hard. My ego. Ow. You came out that strong. Big head. There we go. Man, he knows right how to get to me. Oh. Don't worry, I'll edit the ego out of post too. <laughs> <laughs> no, we all love Jordan. We do. We also we just do. love giving Jordan a hard time because he takes it so well. But I do I do take it pretty well. As his wife, it is very fun. <laughs> <laughs> You should listen. Anytime the dogs need anything done to them, and Jessica's response to Jordan on them, because they're always his animals. <laughs> they're his animals. Yes, they are he my animals. Them. They're small little purse dogs. Anyway, they're, it's also conveniently mine whenever they're bad. Yes, hundred percent. Yeah, I works, do that yeah. too. Like, look what your cat did. <laughs> but uh, Jordan, I think you're going to like this next part. Then uh, Isaac says, "I love hearing you laugh. I love oh. hearing you play. <laughs> I love the characters you create." You recently gave advice to aspiring podcasters to be yourself, and that really meant a lot to me. Not that I personally podcast, but as someone with a lot of social anxiety, the message is important everywhere in life. Awesome. Nice. Thank you for reminding me to relax, to not be so caught up in myself, and for reminding me to smile and help others smile. He who can laugh at himself will never cease to be amused, and laughter is contagious, right? It is yeah. the best medicine, according to Patch Adams. So, you know, there you go. <laughs> mm. And probably other people. It's true. Four, four <laughs> out of five doctors probably disagree. Well, they medicine is the best medicine. There is something medicine. to be said for laughter. Yeah. Honestly, just a positive outlook. When I when I start when we started this podcast, I never thought the number one compliment that I would get from people is they love my laugh. <laughs> like I just thought that I always think that's the weirdest thing because I don't think I have like a really like awesome, amazing laugh. And then like that's the one thing everybody's like, I love it when you laugh. What I will say is Jordan laughs. laughs unrestrainedly mm -hmm. yeah indeed it's it true. is a full-bodied experience every single as much as jordan sneezes which is something akin to like His a nuclear weapon yeah. going off yes. <laughs> there's that unrestrained it. laugh also <laughs> that is that is one part boisterous and one part the joker Yes, I've basically said it. it sounds like Michael Jackson when I sneeze. It's like, <laughs> oh my god, that's your You're restrained one. Your other one is just like freaking foghorn. It's wild. You hear I have a wide house, range of sounds that come out of my mouth. I'm a voice actor. <laughs> okay, now that's a quote that for today. A wide range of sounds that come out of my mouth. Uh, and then last, and I guess uh, probably why Rick has me hosting today, but no. But last is Ross. So I have to read my own stuff, which I think is Rick's revenge. Would, for would you like me to read it for you, Russ? Because I'm comfortable reading praise about other people. That would be great, actually, if you could sure. do that. I would appreciate it. Because otherwise I get super embarrassed. embrace and revel in the praise. Love the praise, yeah. <laughs> like a jellyfish in the water. That's what this is. We're just going to do yep. a... Really, I wish there was visuals to podcasts. I know that's a different, <laughs> entirely different form of media, but... We tried that, that and it didn't work. <laughs> eh, it wasn't as good for us, yes. Ross... Like I said, you're my favorite librarian. Thank you. For many reasons, but let me try to get just a few. <laughs> your spirit, your attitude, 
and the way you play the moral code of a paladin show very clearly in the small pieces of audio I get to listen to. All right, a few good ones to start with. Hmm. I can't find a non-creepy way to say, I like your voice. <laughs> but it must be said nonetheless. <laughs> it's very assuring. That's very kind of you. Thank you. Thank you for your work with Find the Path, and thank you for your work as a librarian. I cannot emphasize enough how much impact the good libraries nearby had on me as a kid, and I similarly cannot measure how much goodness you bring into the countless people's lives. Thank you. Thank you. I, I really do appreciate that. Oh. Yeah. Lots of praise for our librarians and teachers today, the, uh, the unsung yeah. heroes. Yeah, public servants. We try our best. This podcast would not exist if no one had taught me how to read. True. That's fair. Or speak. True. Yeah. Yeah. It is it is really something to be said for, you know, just how important that sort of education is. So it's true. You know, it's always nice when that's recognized, and thank you for that. So yeah, uh, Isaac finishes up with this email turned out to be like five times longer than I'd originally intended. <laughs> <laughs> so I should probably end there. But please know I continue to sing, sometimes literally, your praises to any that listen. Yay. Thank you. Much appreciated. We need a Harold. Thank you all for your time, and thank you all for the good you have brought into the world. Isaac. We should promote also him to Isaac. Harold to find the path. Yeah. If he's literally singing, you know. Mm, that's true. Yeah, that's awesome. I was going to say, if you have come up with a theme song for us, I would love to hear it. <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. gosh. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. That would be fun. Theme song. Theme song. <laughs> If not, though, that's okay. No pressure, you know. Yeah, yeah. it's all fine. Absolutely. No pressure. <laughs> okay, no pressure this Ma time. Maybe I guess next pressure. time you email us. No. Just like a tiny bit of pressure, but like just, friendly just, pressure. Just, yeah, like not like pure a pressure, blanket. but but like a gentle like a nudge blanket, of like pressure it. is yep. fine. Mm. Like the Wait. thunder shirt of pressure. The weight, the weight of a small kitty like napping in your lap. There you go. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I like that sort of pressure. Yeah, that's, it's a cute. That's, that's what a do you good think about little kitty? Murder. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. <laughs> and I think with uh, that, that is actually our only email for today. I mean, well, that's that, quite a doozy. Good. It was a doozy in a good way. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, Isaac. And uh, from there, Thank then, you. I suppose we should probably get on to casting the Lord of the Seventh. Ooh. So, All yeah, right. Rick, do you want to take us through that or shall mm. I? No, feel free. You're doing a great right. job. Sounds great, then. I'll do it. Tell us about our <laughs> devil friend. Well, uh, this time we are casting the Lord of the Seventh, the Archdevil Balzabal. It's Balzabal. Right. Nah. Who's that devil? Yeah, it's Balzabal. Uh -huh. Anyway, the Archdevil was once a celestial serving in Heaven's Legions, among the first beings created by the earliest gods, seen to be the son of Asmodeus and called Lord of That Which Flies, as scholars believe he may have been the first being to have angelic form. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, seriously. Wow. When war came to heaven, Balzabal's loyalty was unquestionable, leading Asmodeus's army and training his new generals, Belial, Despater, Moloch, and Nibis. Later, as the politics of hell evolved, Balzabal killed Nibis in a rage and scattered the Laughing Duke's ashes across Cassitis, supposedly creating the gusts of snow that plague the seventh layer to this day. Wait, nice. so the, the snow on the seventh level of hell is just like Nibis's ashes? Remains, I guess. Remains? Yeah. Which Weird. is, uh, wow. That's All right. yeah, Maybe literally. Seriously. Uh, the creation of Mephistopheles and the distribution of hell's rule among the archdevils infuriated Balzabal, who expected to rule at Asmodeus's side. 
When Balzabal confronted the Lord of Hell and demanded a realm greater than those made after him, Asmodeus asked why he deserved greater, to which Balzabal recounted the victories he had claimed for his lord. Asmodeus responded, You are as I made you and have done only as I have willed. Yet if you imagine yourself lord of the multitudes, so be it. With that, Balzabal was stripped of his angelic form by his lord, and what remained was fused with swarms of flies. Ugh. Fleeing to Cassitis, mourning the loss of his beauty, the Archdevil took his throne as the Lord of Flies. And not it. that Lord of the Flies, but... That's a different thing. That's a different thing entirely. For his appearance, uh, prior to Asmodeus's exodus from heaven, Balzabal had a beautiful glowing form. Later, after demanding greater honors, Asmodeus stripped Balzabal of his celestial form, turning him into an amalgamated swarm of countless biting flies. Fair. He now manifests as a 15-foot-tall armored angel, though his body and wings are composed of flies. Hmm. Gross. I need so, a lot of CG for that. I know there exactly who I'm casting if somebody doesn't steal it from me. I will point out the obvious one. Uh, which has already been cast elsewhere, so it can't be used, which would be Jeff Goldblum. Mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I used one big fly, though. It was just one big, but the Grindel I mean, fly was true. pretty... Uh, uh, speaking of Cronenbergian... Cronenbergian? Mm. Yeah, seriously. Cronenbergian? Anyway. Cronenbergian? Speaking of Cronenberger, which is the worst kind of burger. It's a really one. It's rare. I mean, I'm good to go with my out there casting. Yeah, me too. I'm also doing an out there casting, and I'm ready. I is ready. I can do it. All right, well, Ross is the starter offer, unless you don't want to be. No, that's fine. I can uh, I can start us off. So this one was tricky because, you know, lots of flies, lots of uh, different forms, really. So I went ahead and went with an actor who has a lot of experience with a multitude of different roles um, in both horror and science fiction and many other things beside. Uh, I decided to go for Peter Cushing um, oh. as our... Oh as our uh, Balzable, so. You might know him best as uh, Grand Moff Tarkin from Star Wars. Um, he was in many of the uh, Dracula movies, um, playing both, you know, uh, mostly Van Helsing. Let's see here, he was Doctor Who in the non-canon uh, Doctor Who movies. Um, so, yeah. Interesting. Who's All right, next? I guess that means me. Uh, I'm going for an out there casting. Actor that has a lot of, again, a lot of range, mm. uh, being able to vacillate widely between uh, multiple dis different uh, kind of person personalities. And so uh, just the idea of him playing an amalgamation of uh, countless flies and such and really delivering with the voice. I'm going to go for Brent Spiner. Mm. Oh, OK. Honestly, uh, of Star there. Trek fame as uh, Data, but also, of course, as Lore and Nunyan Sung and a variety of other nefarious type characters. And Very he plays true. a little bit of a over-the-top villain extraordinarily well. And so uh, I like the idea, especially in his more of a lore portrayal of being very bitter at his father mm. for uh, favoring his other sons over him and uh, conniving to get his uh, get his revenge. Yeah. So, and having a good time doing it. <laughs> I went Jamie Campbell Bauer. Oh, he was on my list. <laughs> because... I have never seen a person so easily and fully make that switch from caring, angelic, nice person to soulless sociopath. 
as I have him. And that feels very much like someone who went from being celestial to being essentially this vindictive devil. He is in Shadow uh, Rock Hunters, Rock and Rolla. He was in Sweeney Todd when he was younger. He, uh, he was the movie in the, version. the short-lived Camelot show with Ava Green. Yes. Uh, additionally, I think he was in one of the Twilight movies. I never saw it, so I don't know. He was, I believe, uh, but he I think he was best known in the States for Sweeney Todd and uh, the Shadowhunters. Oh. So. Um, but kind of hearing the description of uh, of him, it sounded very much like this guy's kind of an arrogant jerk. Um, <laughs> Maybe a little bit. I think I'm better than everybody else. I deserve more territory, blah, blah, blah. And for some reason, that made me think of Jason Statham. I don't know why. My brain works in weird ways. Because he's kind of schmarmy. Because he's kind of a schmarmy jerk, right? Like he plays a lot of really kind of jerky guys in pretty much everything he's in. Um, you know, all the way back to like the transporter um, back in the early 2000s. He's been in Fast and the Furious. Um, basically, a lot of action movies. Um, he also kind of strikes me as like he's a he's a nice looking dude. Um, so like can pull off that angelic look well. Um, and then I just love his accent. So I think you know. Yeah do well is like i'm a very arrogant i think i deserve way more than what i've been given this is unfair yeah i I say schmarmy but i mean that the best way because i actually love jason he's charming he's charmingly he's charmingly jerkish like him in the italian job yes yes Hmm. all right i don't know why this actor just pops into my head but it's what did so it's who i'm going with i'm gonna go with james spader okay Uh, A lot of people might probably know him as Ultron from the Avengers movie. Um, He's been in a lot of TV shows. Uh, Stargate. 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 Mm. Yep. And he does have a very distinctive voice, too, which, you know, comes in handy when you're portraying a massive swarm of flies that thinks (laughs) it's better than everybody else. So (laughs) anyway, uh, yeah, so I'm going to go with uh, James Spader. All right. He's honestly one of the best parts of of Ultron. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Chops off the dude's head. What? Oh, wow. Oh, why did you make me do that? (laughs) (laughs) So I, too, was on the same thought process as Jessica, where I was Mm. like angelic to evil in the blink of an eye. So bear with me here. Evan Peters. Okay, yeah. He played Tate Langdon in American Horror Story uh, and also plays like Quicksilver. Mm -hmm. He is so good at kind of always looking slightly unhinged, but then he smiles and you're like, okay. And then he turns (laughs) on you and you're like, oh, Uh, (laughs) um, so I feel like he captures that same uh, psychotic energy that Jamie Campbell Bauer does. (laughs) But yeah, I think that uh, then those are our casting choices. So please, uh, Feel free to vote for your choice on our Discord. Um, uh, yeah, I think that's going to be all from us today. But uh, we do thank you all for joining us. I uh, hope that um, everybody had a great time. I mean, I know I did. What about y'all? That was always. Good yeah. we always have a good time, Ross. Great times. Great times were had by all. And uh, with that, thank you all again. And uh, have a great day, evening, or whenever it is you're listening to this. Till yes. next time, Path Folk. Bye, Pathfinders. Bye, Bye. Bye, Pathfinders. Like they were waving. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I do wave. <laughs> it is a little like you can't see me do it, but I do sincerely want you to, you know, have a have a good day and stuff. Find the Path Ventures is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Hell's Rebels is copyright 2015. Hell's Rebels and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission. Find the Path Ventures have converted Hell's Rebels from Pathfinder to Pathfinder 2nd Edition. Conversion notes are available to our Patreon backers at patreon.com backslash findthepath. 
yes. Uh, pants off Adventure Time. All right. That's uh, right. Except for nobody wait, here understands it. It's definitely Pants on Adventure Time. And it was Pants time. on Adventure Time. I'm sorry. That was. You Otherwise, know, this is the, the After Dark Adventure Path. <laughs> yes, that, that is for the Find the Path After Dark, Ross. Oh, no. <laughs> Patreon stretch goal. No. Oh, no, no. Oh, no, no. No, no. Things get saucy. 